Can you imagine the level of a mind that watches wrestling? The audience wants to see action, adventure, wrestling, and plenty of it. Big men in tights, you know the drill. Rammer Slammer. Welcome to Rammer Slammer. This is Ben Flanagan, and it's SummerSlam weekend. I'm going to have our buddy, the professor, Dr. Will Nevin, on to preview SummerSlam to talk about the build-up to the pay-per-view, one of the, the original big four from WWE, and, and there's a, a pretty decent card that we're working with, and, and we'll get into more detail about it in a little bit with Will. First up, I want to plug a couple of things. First, Graham Flanagan, my brother with Business Insider, he has a couple of really good interviews that you're going to want to check out. One is with AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, who will obviously wrestle John Cena this weekend at SummerSlam. Graham talked to him for several minutes, and they had a really cool conversation, get into a lot of different things like joining WWE, what his path to the company has been like. He also talks a little bit about what it's like to take really vicious bumps like he did on SmackDown the other night when he took an AA through an announcer table and and the kind of pain that comes with being a pro wrestler and and also his relationship with Vince McMahon. And it's a really terrific interview. I I caught it recently and you're going to want to hear it too. I mean, the guy is obviously such a major contributor to WWE right now and I think has an extremely bright future with the company, and, and I really hope he's a top guy for, for the next several years. Graham also is going to talk to Mick Foley, a legend of the business. I haven't heard this one yet, but I can imagine that the guy is so fascinating and has such a fascinating and rich career and history in the business, so I know Graham's going to get a lot of fun stuff out of him too so be sure to head to businessinsider.com and find those interviews as we head into SummerSlam weekend and in a quick note real quick WWE announced the suspensions of a couple more superstars for violating the wellness policy those being Alberto Del Rio and Paige each of whom will serve a 30-day suspension I believe effective immediately so we won't be seeing those two for a while and it's a shame. As I've stated here before, I like Alberto Del Rio. I like Paige. I think they both have a lot to offer to the company. They haven't had a ton to do lately. So, you know, who knows what, what happens, what goes through these folks' heads and, and why they, they find themselves in these kinds of predicaments. But you just hope that they clean up their acts and, and they get back in the ring and on camera sooner rather than later because, again, they've got enormous potential it would be a shame to to waste that talent and you just hope that it doesn't happen again and you hope it doesn't happen with other superstars obviously Roman Reigns somebody who served one of these suspensions and they've announced a few in in recent months so I wouldn't call it a trend just yet but let's hope it stays that way and we don't see more of the card dwindle especially as we arrive at big weekends like this when the company has a lot of publicity it's not what they want to talk about and, and what they want to happen with their superstars and their roster. So let's let's hope it comes to an end soon. And we just see these folks perform in the ring like we, we always enjoy so much. So let's get to our SummerSlam preview here again with Dr. Will Nevin, the professor. Enjoy. This has been Flanagan with Rammer Slammer, and I'm joined once again by the professor, Dr. Will Nevin. Doctor, how's it going? It's going great. I hope all of our slammers are doing well. Absolutely. I think they are. It's SummerSlam weekend. Everybody loves a good SummerSlam, and, and whether or not we'll get a good one remains to be seen, especially uh, with how they built it up these last several weeks, or I guess over the last month since the brand split. This is the first major WWE pay-per-view, one of the big four, obviously, that, that has been around for, for many, many years, and Nevin, what, what's your, I guess, level of anticipation for SummerSlam in general? Not necessarily this one specifically, but is this one that on the WWE or just wrestling calendar you really gear up for annually? Well, certainly in the past couple of years they have made this into the WrestleMania of the summer. Uh, if you recall last year, you know we had Lesnar and Undertaker, and you know anytime Undertaker shows up, it's it's a big deal, and they have paired it with really 
kind of the NXT WrestleMania. I mean, their their Brooklyn shows are becoming their highlight shows, and you know we could spend an entire hour talking about Takeover coming up. I would say, on balance, I am I am hyped for Takeover. If I could get um, Rollins and Balor on the Takeover card, I might be set. Like I might just watch the Saturday night, and I would be good. And uh, we'll certainly get to the the Universal Title match here in a bit, but. I think we are definitely suffering from some kind of strange sickness in the WWE that insists that more wrestling is better wrestling. And this card, top to bottom, is not great. There are great spots on the card, but on a whole, that's that's about all I can say. But like I said, there are individual matches to get excited for, I think. But uh, I think there are just going to be moments uh, we're watching Sunday, and it's just like, uh, when is this thing going to be over again? Yeah, and, and look, top to bottom, I think that there's so much potential in, in just like on a given night. Like if this was a, a house show or just a pay-per-view I'd never seen, and I was looking at the card, I would say, wow, this is pretty loaded. Like this is – this is great, and there was no context whatsoever for it, then I would probably be pretty jacked. But there is context, and, and we have witnessed the build-up to this, and for, I don't know, about half the card, not much of it has made a lot of sense and, and has been very satisfying, and, and that includes a, a lot of what, what's at the top of the card, including, you know, I think the, the Lesnar-Orton feud that they've created uh, out of nowhere, inorganically, some might say. I think it's had its moments where these two guys have infiltrated each of uh, the shows that they're a part of. But, again, it just kind of came out of nowhere. The, the Finn Balor, Seth Rollins build up. Again, it's had its moments, but it's been really clunky, too. I mean, it all started, obviously, with that electrifying Raw, the, the first Raw since the brand split when Finn Balor makes his debut and, and, oh. and, and just shreds right through the roster in, in those terrific matches, and it gives us one of the most memorable Raws ever. And then after that, the subsequent episodes, it's been kind of dull, and, and they've they've forced Rollins to, to perform these really cheesy, sloppy promos in, in different locations overusing this term Demon King over and over to Oh that. man, you Finn say Balor. Demon King one more time, my <laughs> yeah, head's going to explode. Yeah, to, to, to force, force this mystique and we finally got the Demon entrance the other night, which you know, I've, I'm personally not a, a huge fan of necessarily, just in terms of how... You just, you just milk, they milk it. It's like, it's like it's like The Rock in 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 who in The Undertaker like had a baby and it's the, the milkiest <laughs> entrance ever and and that you know not to take much away from Finn Balor because the guy's obviously so talented and, and he's earned his shot but again like staying at the top of the card the Dean Ambrose Dolph Ziggler thing another to to use that you know tired term inorganic feud that is just happening just to happen. Not a lot of it is making sense, and I haven't even brought up Rusev and Roman Reigns and, and Lana and the wedding cake stuff, which well, just—I don't know—just just in terms of the build-up. Will like has it been satisfying to you? Am I being too hard on on what has has happened prior to this SummerSlam, or has it been as sloppy as I'm, I'm describing it? I, I think, as always, there are reasons to be optimistic. There are reasons to, I, I suppose, think the best of the creative team. And hearing you describe it, yeah, yeah, maybe maybe I am pretty bullish on as far as the buildup goes. But I wonder if part of, you know, your disappointment and maybe the disappointment of others, I wonder if we are some of this is in an effort to transition out of the pre-draft and into the post-draft era. I mean, just take um, you know, take Ambrose and Ziggler for instance. You know, what if we are you know turning Ziggler? What if this is the first chapter in a Ziggler story? Maybe looking back on it, it will all make sense. Um, but yeah, I, I think I could share some of your. Uh, some of your complaints, especially, and part of this is, again, more wrestling is good wrestling. Um, 
the build-up for SummerSlam has only been like what three weeks? Yeah, uh, you know that's 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 not a lot of time to reset your roster, get focused on new feuds, introduce a brand spanking new main eventer like Finn Balor, and that's that's just that's a lot to accomplish in three weeks, and it is a challenge, and I think. In part, they were successful. Uh, I know you're not. Uh, you don't sound to be a big fan of the the demon entrance gimmick, but man, that was that was something. And I know the uh, Rammer Slammer family was kind of split on whether you you do that at Raw or whether you save it to the pay per view. And I I kind of fell in the middle. I think that was something important to draw people into the show, so maybe you want to put that on free television. But then there's obviously the the specter of seeing it uh, on at WrestleMania for the first time. So I can kind of see it both ways, and I can't fault WWE too, you know, harshly for doing it at, at Raw. And they did a really great job of it too. Uh, Mister, you know, Rock and Undertaker had a baby. Jeez, jeez. They read they they have separate entrance videos and separate music and separate lighting uh, for the demon gimmick. That's it's great. I, it just I, the thing it reminds me, uh, and, and this is good and bad. Like it, it reminds me of like an indie show, you know. And if if like you know a, a guy in an indie territory or whatever for a little company wanted to do a big entrance like. The Undertakers, and, and it was just it was kind of it's kind of like uh, it's like wrestling cosplay in a way, you know. That's that's just kind of how it how it comes off. But fans love it, man. Like and the fans love Balor. You and I were at the NXT show in Birmingham a couple weeks ago, and most of the people there that that I saw wearing T-shirts, they're wearing Balor shirts. You know, yep. the guy has he's made the leap, and <clears throat> he's a guy that I know that so many people have said. He has main draw top guy potential written all over him, and it took so long for him to finally make the sleep. But here he is, and and everybody seems satisfied. So, yeah, man, I, I'm you know I'm, I'm probably being too hard on it because it's still kind of new to me. And I I think part of it, like I said, is the the stark difference between you know his like his Balor Club worldwide entrance and his leather jacket, which I, I admit like his normal everyday entrance could use work because he can't stop popping that damn jacket. Um, but it's like it's two different gimmicks, and it's it's interesting that they've you know it's it's one guy, and they haven't done some weird goofy supernatural angle. It's just he goes to a dark place, and you know it's kind of relatable you know we don't all you know wear face paint and um you know whatever else he does the the intricate body work and that sort of thing we don't all do that but you know we can understand kind of tapping into that uh that dark anger uh side of things and i think it's going to look spectacular at SummerSlam, and i think it's going to be really something to watch i'm sure it is and i know that nxt fans are just kind of sad to lose it to that level in a way it's it's, it's that weird feeling of this person deserves to be on the main roster, but once they finally go, it's like, no, why did you have to leave us? You know, why, <laughs> why'd you have to leave us here for, for, you know, the, the fraud WWE NXTs where it's really, you know, where it's at. So it, it'll be exciting, but you know, Nevin, there are, are so, like you said, so many matches on this card. And, you know, we've already talked a little bit about, the build up to the big ones, but there has been like little to no build up to to some of the the matches that should matter, but clearly don't. And, and one that really sticks out to me is the match for the Intercontinental Championship, right? And this is a belt that it's on the SmackDown brand, and but it's a belt that in, in years past has really mattered, and then it's been meaningless, and then they've done things here and there to try to make it matter again, and Miz, who I think is a, a perfectly, like, sufficient, if not more so, holder of the belt, and I think he's done really well, and, and I'm a fan of his work, especially in, in the past year or so, he's taking on Apollo Crews, and and he's a recent NXT call-up, and the guy is, is just a, a just supreme athlete, and, and people really like him, and I'm sure he has a bright future, but how does this match and how does it make any sense? Why does Apollo Crews deserve a shot at the IC title 
why is this happening? Honestly, like, why don't you, A, if you're not going to build it up at all, and you're just going to pile all of this other stuff on top of it to make the show top-heavy and reduce the IC title to what it is here, why not just give the belt the, the night off, the pay-per-view <laughs> off? It's not SummerSlam of Champions. It doesn't have to be on the show. And, you know, there's like a two-hour pre-show, so some of these matches are going to wind up on the pre-show. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think part of it stems from the fact that Miz is is good at what he does, and, but he's not always necessarily asked to do the right things. Uh, I think Miz is he's great at comedy. He's perfect at comedy. But there are some parts of his act that are too comedic to be really believable for a sports entertainer. Um, that bit where he got basically duped into getting into the mystery machine, uh, his his bit where he just like goes into quoting you know m- you know movie lines and that sort of thing. That's all fine. It's a great comedy act. If he was just some delusional. Um, you know, announcer or something like that, it would work fine. But at the end of the day, these guys all have to be credible as guys who can get in the ring and beat other guys up. And that's where Miz, I think, really loses some of the act because he's funny, he's credible, he can get people to boo him, which is I think, really, you know, great uh, in WWE these days. But there's just no credibility in the ring, and there's a sense that what he does in the ring doesn't matter. Um, so that's why it's it's strange that he has the IC title, and I think that's where that's where the enthusiasm is at this match because oh you know it's Miz he's around to be funny and obnoxious and you know kind of goofy so why should we care? Um, I guess he's probably going to drop the title because he can you know he can be Miz without. You're having an icy belt, and if they're going to have him at that level, then he needs to be a centerpiece, you know, heel on SmackDown. And I don't think they're ready to do that for whatever reason. So I think he's just a guy that's going to, you know, host Miz TV when they, whenever they need to open a show, and you know, that's going to be about it. So uh, yeah, I I agree with you, and that's kind of my diagnosis for why this match is just kind of blah. And you're you're right with Apollo. Um, absolutely dynamic. I'm, I'm a huge fan of his, uh, his his theme, but there's no real sense to his character. You know, uh, he smiles a lot. Well, that's great. Um, you know, what else is there? Yeah, and and I don't know a guy I think who has has sort of paid his dues and, and earned his way into the IC title conversation. Is is a guy like I don't know maybe Sami Zayn right like he he seems like he would fit the mold of an IC challenger or even champion at this point but I guess he's taking this pay per view off I, I don't know if he's on vacation or what after after they finally finished off the the uh, Owens feud at the last pay per view but I, I don't see him on the card so I guess we won't be seeing Sami Zayn at this pay per view and and before we just like run down the card and get to predictions on this thing. Just in terms of the build-up, I want to make one last point on the Brock Lesnar, Randy Orton thing. And, and normally, I would probably suggest Paul Heyman would have been the MVP in the build-up to a match oh, like this. Being I know where this is going. The mouthpiece <laughs> for Brock Lesnar. And honestly, I want to I'm going to give some props to Brock Lesnar for finally reaching for the mic and, and speaking for himself. And, and the fact that after so long, after we we hadn't seen Brock cut a promo on hardly anybody in, in, in forever outside of just like the, the pre-taped interview that we can watch on the network, you know, when we have a spare five minutes. He broke his silence for one Heath Slater, who, for me, Nevin, has not only been the MVP of this buildup, but in a weird way has kind of been the MVP of WWE for the past couple of weeks because all the points you just made about Miz, I think, can also apply to Heath Slater. The guy is hilarious. He has incredible comic timing. He's he's a great performer, but he I think he's fun in the ring, too, and is a gifted wrestler. And I cannot believe, to be quite honest with you, that they've given finally given him 
the amount of airtime that he has had over these past couple of weeks going with this gimmick of the most uh, – what is it, the most valuable uh, – The hottest the, the, the free hottest, agent. That's right, the hottest free agent in sports entertainment. And for me, it's just – it's worked every time, and he's been great. And, and the fact that he's getting to work with guys like Brock Lesnar and, and Randy Orton and is getting screen time with Shane McMahon and, and, and Nick Foley and Daniel Bryan and Stephanie McMahon, it's just – he's been awesome and I, I'm, I'm impressed with the writing for him and, and how they've used him to not only build his own character but also play off of these other guys. When they can't be in the same room, he has been such a great fixture, I think, in a way that, you know, where they've tried this kind of thing with people like Goldust and R-Truth with these silly backstage segments that just always fall flat or these other these other wrestlers and personalities that they strictly use for the sake of comedy, I think Heath. I think they've kind of hit a home run with Heath Slater, and and he has been a big reason that I think those shows remain appointment television for wrestling fans. Yeah, I'm gonna absolutely agree with you. Um, Lesnar has been stellar. Lesnar and his potty mouth, uh, definitely some of the, the MVPs in the buildup. Um, I have loved every bit of the Slater stuff. However, I think they just they just took a, a little bit of a left turn into what I think could be like a serious like wrong move. The sense I got from SmackDown, the story had a logical conclusion. And I kind of argued this on the the Twitter account, you know, you have this match where you know, you DQ, you know, Randy Orton because he wouldn't let Slater out of the corner. Like, okay, it's you guys don't do that finish too often. You don't do that, you know, that nitpicky DQ finish that often. So that's fine. It's okay to do it. But the end of Slater's story is right there. You know, he gets laid out by Randy Orton. He gets demolished, devastated. You announce him in the ring. The winner of this match by disqualification and newest, you know, superstar on the SmackDown roster is, you know, Heath Slater. And they didn't announce him as the winner, and I was like, this, this is dumb. You should do that. And I just thought there was this implication that they were going to finish it. Um, and then they get to this backstage segment, and I looked away for like five minutes, and – for some reason, Shane like pulled away the contract he was about to sign, and I just got really confused, and I didn't admit, or I didn't catch that specific point. So I feel like they're either about to stretch stretch it out too far, or they just had Shane hit a really strange note there. So I don't know what they're going to do, but I will agree with you. It's been it's been a hoot to watch, and he's been really effective. Yeah. And who saw it coming, too? I mean, Heath Slater. Like, and, and the bit you're talking about, so the moment, the, the the beat that caused Shane to take the contract away was they finally offer him the contract, they tell him to sign it, and then Heath, who is clearly, I don't know if they're making jokes about how concussed he is. Following ah, isn't that a real knee slapper? Huh? Yeah, Concussions. <laughs> he, he, he mistakes Shane for Stephanie. So I guess the joke is Shane is offended and he takes the contract away after offering it once once he has mistaken him for for Stephanie again uh you know those kinds of hijinks we we don't come across those very often but no <laughs> hey, look I, I yeah they're probably going to overdo it you know the way they can with a lot of these storylines with a lot of the tools like Heath Slater, who are on the roster, but look, I mean, if, if that means he's just going to bounce around from show to show and we get him both nights every week, I might be fine with it. We'll see. But, I, you know, that being said, I just wanted to give a shout-out to Heath Slater and the job that he has done so far. So, Nevin, let's go through the card. Let's predict this thing. We we decided that we were going to run through a few matches before we, we go into in-depth on some of the other more important ones. Yeah, um, the SmackDown women's division, uh, that whole division is a dumpster fire. doesn't matter. 
Uh, Eve Marie is at least amusing. They have tweaked the NXT gimmick from, oh, look, it's Eva Marie. Have heat on the promotion because she can't wrestle to Eva Marie doesn't want to wrestle. And that's funny, and that was an important change for me. But a six-women tag match with Natalia, Bliss, and Eva Marie, and Becky Lynch, and Carmella, and Naomi, uh, no. I hope it's on the pre-show. I hope it lasts no longer than 30 seconds, and we have a new hilarious reason why Eva Marie is not going to wrestle. Done. Check. Yeah, fine with me. <laughs> uh, the IC title match, and you know, we brought it up earlier, uh, disappointing overall. Uh, the IC title, especially in this post-draft era, should mean more. Um, but, yeah, I, I guess Cruz, unless they're going to stretch it out longer. Um, Miz does not need to have a belt because, again, for all those credibility reasons I said. Yeah, I think you're right in that he doesn't need it, but... I'll just disagree with you just because and just say that he, he wins it because I don't I don't know that much will change even if he I don't know, even if he does or doesn't have the belt. And I don't know why you give it to Apollo Cruz at this point. Yeah. Uh maybe if he develops a personality in the next <laughs> you know, forty eight hours or whatever. Um the tag title match, man, what a disappointment that is. Um if you uh Take out my best friend's dong. I'm going to be really mad with you. Uh, I'm going to stop dancing and making jokes and laughing, and I'm going to want to kick your butt. And there has not been that edge or that seriousness. Uh, Anderson and Gallows, whatever hope they had in you know debuting in WWE, has steadily gone downhill. And you I, you can't make everybody a comedy act. You you don't have to make everybody a comedy act. This can be serious. It can be great. Um, and so I think they've just missed the boat with this one. I I don't care. I just I just do not care. Um, I I think the idea is we might be splitting up New Day or we might be moving on to something else with them. So give the titles to the club and maybe some of their respectability. They can magically find that. Oh man, like and I. I don't know. Like, what are they? The longest tenured tag team champions now in WWE history? Uh, the longest WWE tag titles, right? Because they they just acknowledged like the the world slash WCW tag titles a couple of weeks ago, and I I don't know. I, it's a, it's a weird feeling that they're going to bring back some other belts or make some more tag belts or. You know, because SmackDown's tag division needs tag titles. Well, I mean, if you're going to end it, though, like if you're going to end it and, and, and give the belts to to a team, I just I don't know how it can be the club right now. Like why why they break that streak? That that just seems like a travesty. Not that these these belts really matter right now, and the tag division is is on fire or anything. But if if a tag if there is a tag team that does matter in in, in wrestling right now, it is the New Day. And and after all of they've accomplished just in terms of the longevity of the team, I don't I, I just don't see how you end ended on a whimper like this. Yeah, it would be very, very disappointing if it was to, to end on this because uh, like I said, I think taking out Big E that was a great move if they had a good story and a good follow up to it and it's just been it it's been pun after pun after pun after joke and it shouldn't be that. I mean <laughs> I would hope that I would react differently if somebody came along and, you know, injured your dignity. <laughs> well, okay, well, what's next? Oh. Uh, this Cesaro versus Sheamus could grow into something. It it could. And I have always thought there we should have more like, you know, best of 7 type of series, but I don't I don't they've it feels like this is like the best of seventy five and they're in the middle of it already. They've they've fought each other so much and I just like what are the stakes? What does it matter? Oh whoever wins this is gonna be WWE toughest of Cesaro or Sheamus. It's just the the stakes are so low and Sheamus has heat because he looks dumb and that's that's just Stupid heel heat to have, and yeah, again, uh, Cesaro should do more. He should mean more, but he doesn't, and that's too bad. 
Yeah, this, you know, reminds me of, like, uh, one of those classic, like, Hercules versus Dino Bravo matches to, like, start off a WrestleMania. Just, like, pure mid-card, like, okay, let's get the show started type type situation where it's, like, there are no stakes. It doesn't matter. You just hope that two big, strong guys can can put on a good show. And, and, you know, I'm guessing they will. But, yeah, haven't we already seen that show are they going to be able to come up with anything different you know that's that's, no, probably that's my not. only concern uppercuts and, and you know bro kicks and and we we know what we're getting into yeah let's hope they finish this out at the um, the raw pay-per-view and maybe we only get like two or three of these on tv and the rest of them are on house shows fingers crossed totally what's next uh well you want to go to the top of the card and talk about the the big matches um yeah let's talk about the big interpromotional match uh Lesnar and Orton I th- my first thought here is that I wish uh Lesnar had not tested positive I could be so much more jazzed about this about his future and what WWE can do for him with him and how he might still go back you know to UFC if he had not tested positive so I'm just a little of the sheen is off for this match but I I think it's going to be something to watch and I think before that positive test like Brock Lesnar all the way but after I'm almost like like sixty forty Lesnar at this point, maybe I don't know. What do you think? So first of all, is this the main event of SummerSlam in your Ooh. eyes? Um, I, I think it could be for the politics. Uh, certainly, you could put the Universal Title on last, but then you are telegraphing to the world. Oh uh, yeah, Raw is still the big deal. Uh, Raw is still. A number one. Uh, my inclination is always to end a show on a big world title match, but now you don't. You in essence don't have a world title uh, since you have two world titles. So uh, I don't know. I, th- I think they could go either way. Uh, they could overcompensate and put you know Ambrose and Ziggler in the main event. I don't think they're going to do that. Um, and maybe if they have something really really big planned for Styles and Cena. You could put that in the main event. Um, I think those are kind of your options, and out of those, I'd probably say Lesnar and Orton. Yeah. Yeah, probably. I don't know, man. Like, when was the last time, like, Brock Lesnar just, like, legit lost a match? Was it, I guess, to Undertaker? Yeah, he he took... But that wasn't legit, though, right? Because Undertaker tapped out, and the ref didn't see it, or whatever, and controversial... uh, 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 Undertaker got a um, yeah 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 that was the it was the where he tapped out the ref didn't see it and then he he got him in the gonads right right so yeah so it's been a while and and ever since then Brock Lesnar just beats the crap out of people and that's how it goes I don't see Randy Orton lying down the same way especially considering this is the first time they've had a match like this with each other so I, you know I don't know I'm kind of with you. I think it's possible Randy Orton can win, but I don't know. If I was a betting man, I'd, I'd probably stick with Brock Lesnar. It's interesting, the point you bring up about the testing positive thing. And, and you know, I kind of wish they worked that into the storyline a little more than they did. And, and Orton got a cheap laugh out of it. But I don't know. Brock Lesnar is finally vulnerable publicly, and his image is vulnerable. And you have to work that into the storyline as best you can. And they haven't done that. But I don't know. It's I, I think... I, I, if I want to see one of these guys sort of cut down to size as a fan, it's probably Orton, <laughs> you know? And and so I'm in, in that regard, I'm kind of pulling for Brock Lesnar to win. Yeah, it, a, a trip to uh, Suplex City is always fun, uh, aside from the guy who's getting thrown there. Um, I, I think it's going, to be, it's going to be a great spectacle. I don't know how these two are going to actually, like, match up style-wise in the ring. So I, it's going to be something fun to watch. And you... Like we just said, you can't say that for the rest of the card. So it, it has that going for it. Definitely. World title match. Um, I do not see Dean Ambrose dropping this at all. Um, the only question here is, what's the story with Ziggler? You know, are they going somewhere with him? Um, I, 
I don't feel like this feud would stretch out much longer, but hey, it's the WWE. Feuds can always last, you know, up to seven months. Yeah, Ziggler's good on the mic. Like he, he's just good all around. Like the guy's a great. He's a great wrestler. He's he's seemingly up for anything. He can talk, but when he talks, he has just the corniest lines. Like he, his storylines are just so painfully obvious, and they just. I just think the writing around him is typically really off with him, and and they you know clearly had an opportunity to do something with him, and that he is in the main title match against a guy as, as exciting from the fans, fans' point of view as Dean Ambrose, and they just haven't really done much with it. You know, and I, you know, I tend to like the good guy versus good guy thing here and there, and, and, and I think Ziggler ended it on a on an interesting note on SmackDown during the opening Miz TV segment the other night where he just dropped a random super kick suddenly on Dean Ambrose to end the segment. I thought that was cool, and that was a great way to, to set up the match. But other than that, it's just been kind of a blah setup. And I'm with you. I think Dean Ambrose walks out of here with the title again, and then you we're just kind of left scratching our heads with Dolph Ziggler, wondering what's next for him with this just a placeholder thing. Yeah, and part of it, I'm sure, was designed to elevate him. You know, in this post-draft era, it's like we we got to have more folks, and I completely agree with that. Uh, I just don't know if I would have had Ziggler as the first challenger. And then maybe, maybe they're turning him. Maybe they're telling a different story with Ziggler. You know, how does Ziggler react after he loses? Maybe that's going to be an integral story. I don't know. But uh, I don't think, like I said, they they are not switching from Dean. I I don't think. I hope not. Fingers crossed. We'll see. And now the universal title. That uh, that strange beast that we've created. Um, I think this, as I said on the the Twitter account, I think this is going to be a phenomenal match. Seventeen stars uh, or more, um, and I think Balor gets this one. No, you can't. No, you can't be the champ that soon. He just I, got called up. Uh, yeah, and he just ran through you know Roman Reigns to get there. Uh, I I think Balor goes right to the top. I don't know, man. The the Roman Reigns, I guess the the theories out there that Roman Reigns was being punished, given that he lost to Balor shortly after he returned from his suspension. <clears throat> I don't know, man. I, I think I think Rollins is the guy. He's the right guy to be the, the champ again, and it's a little too much too soon too, too soon for Balor. And I don't know. It just it. I don't know. Like I said, I mean he he's new to me, and again, I think he's good. I don't think he's great yet. I haven't totally come around on him yet, and I hope that this match changes my mind. I think Rollins is great, and Rollins has to be a champion of some sort at WWE right now. Yeah, it. I think it really would be a shame to see him lose another match after he lost uh, in that three-way uh, back at, um, what was that, Battleground? Was that it? Yeah. Um, he does so many great things, and he is, you know, good at getting heat for being just unlikable, which, as I said earlier, is rare in the WWE these days. Um, yeah, it, it's a shame, really, that one of these guys has to lose because I, I, I don't know if I want the Demon King uh, getting beaten in his first match, um, but it is it is a pickle, but I think these two guys are going to turn it on, and it's going to be, like I said, spectacular to watch. Yeah, uh, yeah, totally, and, and honestly, though, too, if Dean Ambrose wins and Balor wins, do we want two good guy champions with each of the brands? Um, I'm okay with that. I don't mind... Um, Face champions, although there's there's always money in the chase, certainly, but that involves you know writers being able to tell a story that's interesting and that you know you relate uh, to that that epic quest. And as you know, as we'll eventually get to with the the women's title, like we've already screwed up that storytelling. So I I don't know if I would have any faith in them having that. Uh, you know, face chasing a heel approach. Although, you know, that is their historically that's their that's their favorite approach. So yeah, maybe we get out of one of these matches, we get a heel that wins, 
and then uh, that sets us up for the next, you know, two or three months of feuds. Totally. All right. What's next? Styles and Cena, part three, if I guess, if we count that that tag match they had. Yes. Yeah, so this I think has potential for being best match of the night. And and I know that we've got Balor versus Rollins, and that should be it quite easily, but. I just think Styles is that good, and I think Cena always finds himself putting on great matches despite how polarizing he is, and Styles can bring out the best in whomever, and I don't know, this one might sneak up on us. Yeah, I think so. Um, The booking from SmackDown was very strange, and the end of the show felt very rushed because you had that, that, that moment where, you know, Cena gets laid out, and then two seconds later you know, pops up with that AA and then continues with the AA through the table and all that stuff. So I wonder if that's a sign that Styles is getting the win Sunday. I that that seems like it would have to be, right? Like you wouldn't want Cena doing that Tuesday and then winning again Sunday. Uh but, you know, they've shown a willingness to, you know, have Styles lose before, so but I, yeah, I don't know, but Styles would make a heck of a world uh, title uh, contender, especially this this heel Styles we've had uh, since uh, his feud with Reigns. It was this you know, this awkward, um, you know, I'm the better man, I'm a good guy, you know, kind of feud. It would just it would be interesting to see him really sink his teeth into a heel title feud. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you. I'm going to disagree with you about the ending of, of SmackDown. Just I, I thought that it was really fun, old school storytelling, and I just like seeing Styles go through the announce table. It's, I love it. I'm, I'm a sucker for the announce table spot, and, and it just, to me, sets up a few SmackDown match. would be your show then. <laughs> well, it just sets up a, a great grudge match between these two, and, and Styles just obviously showing he's willing to go the extra mile to tell a story like that. And, yeah, I would love it if he won. I would, but again, I think these two are just going to put on a put on a show, and just because that's just that's what they do, and, and they're they're showmen, and, and they're two of the most valuable guys in the company, let alone their specific brand. And um, yeah, man, I don't know. You know, there's the whole thing of John Cena doesn't want to let people win, but I think that's unfair. I think he he lets a lot of guys win actually, and. Styles is a guy who's earned his way to the top, and, and now might be his time. So, yeah, hopefully that that would be incredible if we got a Styles Ambrose feud out of this. Yeah, and I think that would have them both, uh, you know, sort of properly squared off in in feuds where you know, clear good guys, clear bad guys, and Cena just seems to be working this extremely part time schedule. So, you know, it's is he like the Undertaker of SmackDown? He just comes in. Uh, when he's needed, and he works a high-profile match or two, and then he just you know goes away for a while, and it's it's about that time. I'm not saying he needs to go away, but you know physically, um, he is yeah he's on the wrong side of 35, you know pushing 40. So well, and Styles is too. Um, so you know, you got to find some kind of way to limit their their ring time certainly. And Cena has so many uh, things to do outside of the WWE, which we have worked that into a story because by God, everything's a story now. So does that lead us to Rusev versus Roman Reigns? I believe so. And then we can um, conclude with our our women's title match and then that delightful tag match we got on the show. Um, Yeah, uh, somebody made the point that, you know, Reigns was not necessarily being punished for the drug stuff. He was moving out of out of the world title scene, but that didn't necessarily mean he was moving out of the top spot. And I think we have seen that with the placement on Raw. He's he's still been in important segments on the show. He's still been a centerpiece on the show. And he's still playing, in essence, the same character. Uh, I know that uh, some in the family watched uh, Raw, watched that main event match with Reigns, um, you know, and Rusev, and they liked it and they enjoyed it. And I just, I thought it stunk. I thought it was slow. It was boring. Uh, Reigns is not a believable underdog in any sense of the word. 
uh, Rusev is doing some of his best work um, ever, and he's been fun to watch. Uh, Lana has been great. Uh, they've been great. And and Roman is not necessarily bad on his own, but he's being asked to do some weird, weird things. Um, he's got this weird disconnect in his character where they've tried to add this kind of, you know, this kind of Kevin Nash doing a rock impersonation or rock doing a Kevin Nash impersonation. I don't know which one it is, but he's trying to be hip and he's trying to be cool and, you know, say you know, whatever, I guess, vulgar thing pops into his mind. And then backstage, he's still that same, like, scowling Roman Reigns. Like, there needs to be some kind of balance in his character if we're still pushing this this babyface thing. Um, you know, I, he I heard a theory uh, listening to uh, uh, PW Torch, uh, their audio cast that I love and subscribe to and, and help power me through uh, my commutes. Uh, if, and we're going to be talking about this for the next 10 years, if today is the day that Vince woke up and decided and decided let's let's do the turn, let's make Roman Reigns uh, a heel. What if? What if, Mister Ben Flanagan? What if uh, Lana turns on Rusev, sides with Roman, and they become like this evil power couple of WABE, and we can all get behind Rusev as this poor, devastated, emotional giant teddy bear and that would just be something to watch but we're not going to get it yeah i don't know what parallel universe twilight zone you're looking at <laughs> <laughs> what kind of we like have we have fun there smoking. yeah we could have fun in, in that place and and it yeah it would probably take you know multiple Wellness violation, wellness policy <laughs> violations to get there, but uh, no, yeah, I'd love it. I'd love it if if they really pushed Rusev in the way you're talking about because he's he's great and he he's again he's so old school and he obviously just gets it and he's a guy who I'm glad they're giving him so much time because he, he's he's really showing out. But it's like how many more of these Lana oriented storylines is it going to take because I think she's really funny. Like I, she's good. She's a great manager in, in sort of like the classic sense. And, and I, 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 if you give her a lot to do, that's, I'm fine. I'm totally fine with that, but I don't know. It, 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 at some point it gets really corny too, the way you incorporate other, other rivals like they did with Dolph Ziggler, the whole love triangle thing. That was awful. And yes. I think, I think the Roman Reigns thing has been kind of awful. Like why, why should we want to cheer? for a good guy who is, like, antagonizing a new, uh, these newlyweds, right? And it's like they're shoving their their nationalism in our faces and, and going with the whole xenophobic angle that, that we've seen a million times. But Roman Reigns isn't really making it that much better. They're making it easy for us to really root for him because he's treating Lana so badly. And, like, she, she dishes it out, certainly. But, honestly, I think Roman just kind of comes off as a bully, in this whole thing. And there's something about the storytelling. There's kind of a disconnect that I don't think that they've, they've closed in on to, to really click and let Roman Reigns finally feel the cheers. Like it's, he, he has some of that heat off of him for sure being out of the main title picture. But again, there's just something missing here. Yeah. And this has been a problem with Rusev going back for, I don't know, a couple of months, ever since they got away from that kind of angle where, uh, you know, she would have some kind of accident or something at ringside and he would get distracted and he would lose and then he would get angry at Lana. Uh, they've gotten away from that. Uh, that's the, you know, that's sort of the natural kind of heel thing to do. And ever since then, it's been, oh, Rusev is defending his wife. Oh, huh. that, that doesn't seem very... Uh, uh, very evil of him. Um, right. So, yeah, we're just kind of left shaking our heads, like we're supposed to boo this guy. Um, so I, I really don't know what they're doing here. Um, I, I don't think they'd drop the title, or they, they could. I, I just, I don't know. We don't seem to have a natural story here. You know, Rusev's. Natural story, you know, ended back at WrestleMania, and it's been kind of downhill since then. And 
I just I just don't know, man. I just don't know. And the the relationship between Rusev and Lana had its kind of natural end where you you know, you would think that they were gonna break up and that he was gonna go heel and that she was gonna, you know, be a face manager for somebody else. But then, you know, WWE got their their feelings hurt when she announced their engagement on Instagram. Oh, oh Lord, people know in the real world that they are actually in love and engaged. Oh dear Lord, what are we going to do? Um, so yeah, I don't. Well, yeah, maybe that's why Vince got so pissed when they Instagrammed that they were engaged that time, where it's like, all right, well now we're gonna have to figure out an organic way to sort of like infuse this into our narrative, and maybe they've just they've had a lot of trouble doing that. And and here we are, you know. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I guess I just kind of lean toward status quo. You know, keep the belt on Rusev and find some other way for this to continue. I, I guess. Do we want it to continue? I, I think I've I've had my fill. I had my fill after Raw, but this all depends on you know the world title picture. Or the the universal title picture, you know what they plan on doing with that. You know who who wins the universal title match. I think if I'm you know booking this show, that certainly has an impact on what I want to book this show or this match to be. And yeah, you know, are we gonna go back to Reigns and Rollins? Um, I I I want to give that time. I want to let that settle, and I'm. I am not ready to move this Roman Reigns back to the the main event. Um, but we'll see, I guess. That's about all, all right. I can say for this match. Yeah. All right. Well, I just I guess prediction then. Uh, Rusev. Yeah, I think I think he retains whether he loses by DQ or wins or what. I don't think Roman Reigns is going to be US champ. So. No. All right. So that moves us on to the women's match. Oh, oh, I I completely overlooked that. Um I um I was I'm staring right at it. Um yeah, the natural story for this match was Sasha Banks winning at SummerSlam. But since we had that wonderful raw, since we had uh that shining star that we will never attain again, um the storytelling is a bit weird here. Um, I think it's going to be a great match. It's not going to be the emotional climax that it could have been, but certainly I think Sasha Banks retains. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm I'm with you in that maybe her winning the title happened a little too fast, and it should have been you know culminated in in a big SummerSlam win. But that Raw again, it was so memorable, and, and so much happened, and people were so giddy about it. Maybe that was the right timing. And and it was a, it was a great moment. So I don't know. I just I want these these ladies to put on the match that we expect them to. And and, and I know it's going to be really good. I mean, I, they're they're arguably the best on the roster, you know, at what they do. And and so yeah, you know, I, I kind of expect what we've gotten so far. And and I'm kind of waiting for that moment where Ric Flair comes back into the picture, whether that's this weekend or or whenever. It's going to have to happen eventually. And, and you know, maybe he wants to give you know, Charlotte, more time and more space to kind of do things on our own. I don't know, but uh, they work well together and, and hopefully, hopefully he makes his way back into the picture. But yeah, I, I don't, I don't think the belt's changing hands so soon after that. But if, if they want to, if they want to get like a you know, year long thing going where the belt goes back and forth and, and this thing ends at the next WrestleMania, I'd be totally fine with that. Yeah. Uh, there are certainly multiple stories you can tell. Um, Eventually, you're going to work to some, uh, you know, Nia Jax versus some face, uh, and I don't know if that's going to be Bailey or that's going to be Sasha, but that's where the division is headed eventually. Uh, but right now, I think this feud can can stretch out for a while, and um, Dana Brooke is is not great uh, either on the mic or in the ring, and it just seems like she's kind of a uh, she's kind of like a like a third arm. But um, I mean, it's not. She hasn't been terrible, you know. So, uh, yeah, I think, like I said, Banks retains. Yeah. All right. Well, for some reason, we saved this tag team match last in Enzo and Cass versus Jericho and Owens, which 
you know, it's probably going to be fun, you know, no matter what, because these guys are all super talented and funny and, and everything. But, yeah, here we are. This, this is our last match here. Well, what, what are your thoughts? Um, again, a lot of this depends on what do you want to do down the road for both of these teams and for the teams in the tag title match. Are Jericho and Owens going to be a tag team going forward? Do you want them against uh, the New Day, which uh, on paper that looks spectacular, but then what do you do with Enzo Amore? Are they going to fight the club over the tag team title? So there are lots of different possibilities. I would be happy with any of them. Uh, I kind of lean toward wanting to keep Jericho and Owens together because I feel like at least that's something for Kevin Owens. Um, it's you know it's not the main event world title picture, but it's TV time and it's TV time against an established uh, or not a well eventually one would think against because you never you never put these main event tag teams together with the idea that they're going to stay together forever. It, eventually, there's going to be some angle, there's going to be some argument, and they're going to split. But are they going to split on Sunday, or is this something we're going to build for a couple of months? And Kevin Owens becomes the the monster uh, babyface that I think he can be. Um, oh, geez. If I'm Vince McMahon, I'm still drooling over Big Cass. So I probably fi- I probably find a way to make uh, Big Cass look strong, and um, I overlook Kevin Owens completely. And I know that Chris Jericho just wants to go back to his band, and so uh, it's probably like Big Cass double pinning, triple pinning uh both <laughs> both Jericho and Owens and then um maybe we we feud Jericho and Owens. We again, as always, we screw up the storytelling uh but we fill TV time and we fill uh you know, spots on the card. Yeah, I I the, for for these tag matches between good guys and bad guys, if the title's not on the line, I, I don't see any reason the bad guy should win a match like this at a pay-per-view anyway, when you've got such fan favorites like Enzo and Cass, especially if they're not going to split, obviously, and and one of them makes a turn. They're not ready for that yet. I think Enzo and Cass are probably going to be your next tag team champions, however that shakes out. So I think that they win this, and I think Jericho and Owens have, have their split at the end of the match and have their argument, and maybe that sparks their feud. Again, however that shakes out the way it does, fine, but I don't know. I think Enzo and Cass probably win this thing because otherwise it's like, yeah, if Jericho and Owens aren't just going to like remain a team and they're not going to establish that, then I just don't really get the point. You've got to make your, your actual team look good, especially if they're the future of the division. Absolutely. But there's this there's this other fantasy world that I live in where you could book Jericho and Owens together as a team and you could tell a story where this breakup and this yes. feud would really mean something. But yeah, we're we don't live in that world. Well, it's lasted longer than Y two AJ, at least. <laughs> at least they got a shirt out of that. Yeah, they did. I don't I don't know if that's still on the uh the merch site or whatever at a discount right now, but yeah, they did they did have a shirt, so I don't know. Jericho and Owens. What is do they have a nickname right now? I think it's um is 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 some pun on KO and Jericho. Jericho, maybe? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think that might be it. <laughs> yeah. Well, where's that shirt? I want that shirt. Um to be burned, you know, the night after it the night after it was conceived. So yeah, all right, man. Well, that that does it, I guess, for SummerSlam. Any any additional thoughts before we say goodbye? Hey, how about we talk forty five minutes about Takeover? Oh God, Takeover. That's right. We probably <laughs> should. Well, just give me a quick, quick, quick word on on what you're pumped about with Takeover and, and why this prop, prop why that show probably matters a great deal more than the world. Oh man, I I cannot wait to get uh, Nakamura and Joe in the same ring for you know. You know, upwards of 20 minutes. That show closing angle from NXT a couple of weeks ago, where you have a mob of quote security guards holding Joe back, and then Nakamura just standing there laughing at him, and giving him the boop nose. Oh, that was so great! I love that. Um, and then 
we're going to get a, rep a reprisal of the uh, the NXT tag title match that we got in Birmingham, which was so spectacular. Uh, Revival and uh, Gargano and Ciampa. That that tag match I think is going to burn Brooklyn to the ground. And then you know you got Bailey and uh, Oscar, and that's going to be great too. So I think those three matches you can stack those next to any of these on SummerSlam, and they're going to be great. And 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 it's going to be like two hours or three hours or however long it's going to be, and not you know five like SummerSlam. Yeah, well, you know, I'm just going to say this: somebody's going to be in New York this weekend when these things are happening, and somebody might be going to take over. We'll just have to see what happens. Uh, we'll, we'll, somebody might report back here pretty soon about how that goes. So. You know, I, I am so peeved about this. You better double my pay. <laughs> Consider it done. <laughs> Professor Dr. Will Nevin, thanks for joining me, man. Always. Rammer Slammer is produced and edited by Ben Flanagan for the Alabama Media Group and AL.com. Find us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Rammer Slammer. Thanks for listening.